Good morning. It's April 28th, a decent looking morning in New York City for now. This is the Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. Pour one out for Jerry Springer, the former Cincinnati mayor and talk show host who died at the age of 79 yesterday. By pour one out, I mean pick up a chair and heave it at someone. This raises the question, is Morton Downey Jr. alive or not, which I'm going to Google right now. Morton Downey Jr. has been dead for 21 years. Sick Transit, Gloria Mundy. Also dead is Carolyn Bryant Donham, the woman who lied about being accosted by Emmett Till, who lived to the age of 88 without once being beaten to a pulp and thrown into a river with heavy machinery around her neck. Emmett Till would be 81 years old if he hadn't been murdered on her behalf. At the top of page one, the Times describes Joe Biden as having been put on the defensive by the House Republicans' barely cobbled together attempt to extort deep spending cuts in exchange for not defaulting on the national debt. The House's offer, the top of the story says, forces Biden to confront a series of potentially painful choices at a perilous economic moment. Biden, of course, does not want to cut spending or roll back his policies. But business groups, fiscal hawks, and some congressional Democrats are calling on Mr. Biden to begin negotiating in earnest toward a deal that would avoid a default on the debt, which could come as soon as June or July. Those people may be urging that, but the story does eventually go on to make it clear that there isn't any negotiation in earnest to be done. Everyone involved agrees that the offer from the House was never meant to be taken seriously, No one expects the Senate to pass it. No one expects Biden to sign it if the Senate were somehow to pass it. And as the story gets to right around the jump, the House Republicans as a whole have no intention of making any sort of follow-up offer that would succeed. Again, Joe Biden is treated as the protagonist here, but ultimately he, Joe Biden, may need to decide how aggressively to intervene in the delicate politics of House leadership. A potential debt limit agreement could spur revolt by House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's most restless members who laid the groundwork for the current brinkmanship when they held out against Mr. McCarthy's ascension to the Speaker's gavel and retained the power to try to push him out. How exactly any of this is, as the subheadline puts it, a test of Joe Biden's stance against making cuts is a little mysterious. The Republican majority in the House includes a meaningful number of people who would like to default on the debt to inflict a damage on Joe Biden and just to generally put themselves in the middle of the drama, and the Speaker of the House has no way to control them. The Speaker does not seem to have any sort of majority or potential majority that would be willing to make any sort of deal on the debt ceiling. All of this is obviously Joe Biden's problem, but casting it as Joe Biden's responsibility seems like a stretch. It was Joe Biden's responsibility to get the Democrats, when they had the power, to get rid of the debt ceiling. But since he didn't and they didn't, why act like he has control over the events that he surrendered control over. And Mike Pence testified before a federal grand jury yesterday in the criminal investigation into Donald Trump's effort to overturn the election. That story is on page A16 with a single byline. Seems at least as unprecedented and drastic as the beat-by-beat coverage of the Manhattan investigation into Trump's alleged business misconduct. But maybe the history editors will send back some notes on this particular first draft of history. That's the news. Have a safe and pleasant weekend. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, send us money, and keep us going. And we will talk again on Monday.